Hey, my name is Philip Craig. I'm the pastor here at Aria Church. Thanks so much for joining us. I hope this podcast empowers you, hope it fuels your faith, and hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. So, so we're in the middle of a series called Suffer Well. Because I really feel, honestly, if we don't learn this in life, we often don't accomplish very much. Um, we spoke with Kate last week, who's had a few children now, and she testified she definitely had to suffer well in order to give birth to something that was God-ordained, something new, a newborn, a new baby, new life. And I think the same way, the same way with us in any area of our life, for God to do something new, to bring new life to us, to become born again, it often looks like there has to be suffering at some point of the journey. And I actually find that suffering, often the worst suffering, the worst intensity of resistance happens right before the breakthrough. And that's where a lot of us give up, if we're honest. Um, We give up. And so let's just recap. Over last week, we, we spoke about how sin introduced suffering into the world, how all creation is subject to it. That's why there's now death and there's now decay. Um... And there's many different forms of suffering. There's some that that we have maybe consequences of our own bad decisions or sin. But there's also a a victim-type suffering where we just suffer as a consequence of other problems or other people's issues. Um, And suffering isn't always our fault. It can be, but it isn't always. But healing is our responsibility. That's important. That's important because it means that until we decide that we're going to get up off our mat and walk, nothing happens. Just like the man who was by the pool for 37, 38 years, and Jesus says, pick up your mat. Do you want to get well? And so we've got to take responsibility. Yes, it's not fair what happened, but, but God has given us the ability to still live life with purpose, to use what wounded us or traumatized us for good. Amen? Jesus also understands our suffering. He uses it to bring glory. It's mad how God works and turns these things around, but He does and He can. Um, it brings glory to His name. And we, can, and we become stronger, more trustworthy, and more stable. Often our biggest ministry and our big, biggest area and gifting is often in the areas that we have suffered the most. Yet again, that's, we would never ask for it, but it happened, and it happens. Um, and so we're going to go on, and I was doing my, just to let you know, we have these little bags on the way out there. I'd love everyone, if you haven't picked one up, please, anyone can take them, they're free. Um, and it's got a daily devotional, and we're going through the New Testament in a year. Uh, and I've, I've been doing that for the last uh, four months, and most of my sermons are coming out of that. So if you're following along, you'll see the similar scriptures on the screen. So this is today's message I've picked up out of the book of John. So we went Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. We're now into John. John, there's a, there's a verse in John 10.10. 10. We love it. It's, it's the one where God has came to give us life and life more abundantly. We quote it all the time, but there's another part of that, uh, that same chapter that we're going to read out today uh, with that in mind. So we're going to go straight into the scripture here in John 8. If you've got a notebook, if you've got uh, notes on your phone, uh, go ahead and get that out. We're going to go straight into it. John 8, verses 31. It says, Jesus said to the people who believed in him, 
You are truly, truly, turn to your neighbor and say, truly. Okay, say it again like you mean it. Truly. You are truly my disciples, my followers, my learners, if you remain faithful to my teaching. Everybody say, remain. Remain faithful to my teaching and you will know the truth. So, so the truth comes after remaining. The full picture comes after enduring. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free if you remain. And we are descendants of Abraham, they said. We have never been slaves. They're confused in the natural. Like, what are you talking about, Jesus? Uh, we've never been slaves to anyone. You'll be set free. So there's something going on that Jesus believes they're in slavery and they think they're not. What do you mean you'll be set free? Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, everyone who sins is a slave of sin. A slave is not a permanent member of the family, but a son is a part of the family forever. So if the son sets you free, you are truly free. You're truly free. Let's pray. God, I just pray and thank you that you've invited us into your family. God, I pray you help me now to, to speak your word. Holy Spirit, move on our behalf and help us and direct us and speak into everybody's situation the way that you can and touch our lives. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. So today's message is called The Last One Standing. The Last One Standing. So, so one of the things I, I find interesting here as we've already said, is remaining. One of the hardest things to do is to remain at times. So the, the, the phrase last one standing actually means literally the phrase last one standing refers to a sole survivor of a battle. When everybody else has fallen, they remain. They've stayed the course of time. They stuck it out. They came under temptation to leave, to move, to exit, but they remained. See, some of our healthy habits, some of our values today, some of the freedoms that we experience were actually because some people remained. There's some blessings that you have in your life today because a father remained, a mother remained remain the course of time. There's some curses and some wounded wounds that you've inherited because somebody didn't remain, because somebody didn't stay, because somebody didn't endure. We, we live in a freedom in this country because some people remain faithful in war under extens, extensive suffering, pain, conflict. They went, they went towards the conflict, not away. They remained. We benefited. We're blessed. How many things today have we taken for granted, but we got for free? We didn't pay for it. We inherited them because of our maybe family, because of maybe the school we went to, because of the area we were brought up in. Some people fought some fights and brought us opportunity and freedom. Maybe, maybe some of us are, are free emotionally because 
a previous generation fought a fight with depression, with shame, with anxiety. They fought and they won. And because you grew up in what seemed like stability in, a, in, in an environment which was trustworthy, which was, which was consistent, you know no different. You didn't know there was maybe issues down the line. But maybe some of us have grown up with the opposite. And you have trauma and wounds because of that. But the beauty is you can reverse the curse. You can break free. That's why we have prayer on a Wednesday night to help you to keep pressing in to the trauma to rewrite the story. Because all of those experiences, traumatic experiences, what really happens that causes us the most harm is it changes what we believe. Who we, what we believe about ourselves, what we believe about life. And when you start to believe that you're not enough, when you start to believe that you don't have the capacity, when you start to believe that you're not valuable, then all of a sudden you get the symptoms of those beliefs. And so to change the beliefs, especially the subconscious beliefs, you have to go into the uncomfortable situation, the vulnerable situation. And it's good to have some people praying and agreeing with what God says about you over what your fear says or what the world says, what your anxiety says, or what the previous generation said. And so we break those chains free. Amen? But it's a process and it takes time. But there's freedom. And it can happen. And it does. So do not underestimate the power of the last one standing. Do not underestimate the power of those that remain. Don't underestimate the power of a simple, consistent, stable life. Sometimes it might be boring, but it's stable. Sometimes you might get a little bit antsy, but it's trustworthy. Sometimes you might get tempted, but you have a stable foundation that you can build high, big, strong generations on. Can I get an amen? See, Jesus was the last one standing. He came for mission. He came to fix a problem, the problem which was called sin. Sin which caused, caused slavery. It caused destruction. It, it, it robbed us. It robbed us of, of, of our purity. And through one, through one Adam came sin, but through another came salvation, came restoration, came redemption. Can I get an amen? Is anyone with me? And so that's why we praise Jesus, because he came to reverse, to restore your life. Why? So that you could actually not go around walking wounded all the time. I'm not saying that we, we're not in process. Some people would even say we're saved by a decision eternally, but also we're being saved, meaning our soul is being restored in process. That's why it's dangerous just to put your hand up and think that's it. You're the, you're the finished article. I promise you you're not. There's a fight at hand and it's a journey and it's slow and steady most of the time. So remain means to, to continue to exist, especially after other people or things have ceased to do so. You're the last one standing. You see, David remained faithful. King, he became a king, but he remained faithful when he was a nobody in the field and everyone else had a job and was picked for the team to go to war and he, he was given the least. 
but he remained faithful. He kept learning. He kept using every opportunity, it seemed, from reading the Scriptures to get better, to grow his intimacy with God, to grow in faith. He even used, even used those moments of affliction, of suffering in the wilderness with lions and with bears to equip him to kill his giants. So what does that tell us? That tells us no matter how insignificant the season you're in right now, it's significant and it matters. And God will always just use what's in front of you to equip you for what's ahead. And so do not think God is not doing anything. God is always up to something. And when we stop moving forward, we become blind to what God is doing because He's always up to something. He's always up to something good. He's always looking for people who have His attention. And that's who He uses to remain faithful in suffering because there's giants ahead. And guess what? You can defeat them. And you will defeat them if you give your attention to Him now. Keep showing up in prayer. Keep showing up to group. Keep showing up to church. Keep showing up in prayer. Keep showing up with your daily devotion. (coughs) Adam, do me a favor. Get me some water, would you? I'm getting too excited here. Too early. Finish strong, Phil. Come on, you're getting too excited. Too early. Thank you. Thank you, Adam. Put our hands together for Adam. That just bought me some time to take the drink. It says in John 10, once we're in the book of John, it says, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of the sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. Just recently, I was going to a football game that I really cared nothing much about. I was going for the buzz. I was bored one night. And there was a playoff. I think it was Nuri, Nuri and who was it? It was that good. I, I didn't really care. Dale was playing from the church, so I thought I'd go and check him out. And just, I think it was a Wednesday night. And to be quite honest, I tried to go in and I was down to find a free ticket because I didn't want to pay because I don't really care that much. But I went for a bit of a buzz, a bit of excitement. Look, you know, might see some nice passes, some nice moves. Um, and I end up talking to the guy at the gate. I was, really t- I was really tempted to jump the gate, if I'm honest, but it was too high. Afraid of injuring myself. Um, and that probably wouldn't look good on the newspaper if, um, if I'm caught, you know. So I kind of thought about that for a second. And so I, st- I spoke to the guy, and he-, he started talking to him about cars and different things. And all of a sudden, he, he grew some grace in his heart and says, listen, just go on ahead. So I went in, sitting amongst the Newry supporters, and, and I'm like, what am I going to do if Newry score? Should I stand or should I, pretend, should I pretend to care? Anyhow, the moral of the story is I didn't want to pay anything. I didn't want to sacrifice anything. Listen, if Newry City was about to go into administration, I'm not giving them nothing. I won't even lose sleep. Because I'm not committed. I haven't sacrificed anything. My heart's not in it. I'm just there for a quick buzz, a bit of excitement. I love to have the power to get in without having to pay anything. It was surface. It's all surface. And in some ways, when we think of Eve in the garden, we spoke about this last week, that, that God had given her boundaries, the sheepfold, 
of the garden. All these trees, there's loads to do. There's loads of resource. There's loads of food. Just don't touch this tree. That's not yours. That's, there's boundaries around that. But something in her was, but it looks beautiful, eyes. Oh, I bet you it tastes amazing. And then just to have the power, I want to I wanna know what it provides. I want the, the, the power of good, knowledge of good or evil, I, wanna, I just want to know it. You see, see, the commitment was low. The investment was low. And so was the reward. It was destructive. It hurt. It broke. She went outside the boundaries. It's the same as what, what Jesus is trying to say about the robber. The robber doesn't come and knock at the door and say, hey, can I come in and just take a TV? Please. You know, even, I'll even use good manners. You know, I'll come to the front door and I'll go through the back. No, the robber doesn't care. The robber's just there for what he can get. He doesn't have any relationship with you or with whoever they're robbing. It's not about the person. It's about the possession. It's about the power. It's about what looks good to the eye. It's about trying to satisfy the yearnings of the flesh. And, and they jump the fence. But they're not going to die for you. They're not going to show up at your funeral. They're not going to even come to your birthday party because there's no connection. It's not, there's no heartbeat. See, let me ask you a few more questions. What would, what would you do in this situation if anyone says that they want you but treats you like a one-night stand? Oh, we're getting real, Phil. We're getting honest. What am I saying is they're jumping the fence. They're not treating you the way God would call them to treat you. So they're not really sacrificing much. It's maybe more about the surface. It's maybe more about what they can get, more about what looks good on the surface, more about what experience they can get from that connection, maybe more about having power over that situation. Do you, how far do you think they'll suffer for you? How far, how far will they go before they walk off? Will they remain? I don't think so. Anyone who wants a business relationship but won't sign the contract. So they want all your products, they want all you've got, but they won't commit to the deal. They won't commit to better or worse. They won't commit to a situation that might go sour. How much will they suffer? How much are they committed? Are they jumping the fence? There's no boundaries. Anyone says they love you, but they don't make sacrifice to spend time. Oh, it sounds good. So I've been around some people in certain countries and they just love you all the time. Love you. But as soon as a hardship comes, bye-bye. Don't know you. It's as if they're, just, they're not coming through the gate. They're, they're jumping the fence. It's like this artificial surface type of commitment type of love. Anyone who becomes your friend on the top but disappears on the bottom. What's going on that they won't remain? What's going on that they don't have the ability to stay? In my opinion, it's what Jesus is saying. They're jumping the fence. They're not really entering into heart connection. They're, they're not really entering into a sacrificial human relationship 
It's just like that tree. I just, I'll go for it. I'll go here for what I can get. And that's not the kind of church that God wants. That's not the kind of people that, that God designed us to be. And if we live our life that way, we miss out on true love. We miss out on true connection. That's why in the Bible it says clearly we should mourn with those who mourn because there's something that happens in mourning. There's healing, but there's also connection. We should also rejoice with those who rejoice. What does that mean? It means whether you're at the top or at your, you're at the bottom, I'm with you. I've spoken to so many people over the years who, who came out of a lifestyle of party and just living for the weekend. Maybe you're there right now. Living for the weekend. I get it. I understand just living for the experience, your hunger for the experience. It looks pretty on the eye to go out the weekend. Woo! Instagram pics all over the shop. And then it seems like you feel powerful with all your friends. It seems like a powerful moment, a situation. It's a place to be. You're in, you're in the know. And then all of a sudden, these people turn their lives around and, and maybe get saved and give their life to Christ and change course. And it's for the better of their life. It's for the betterment of their marriage, maybe, or their relationships. It's, it's making them into a more stable, trustworthy. They're leaving addictions at the side. They're leaving... Um, you know, toxic environments to decide. It's, it's good for them. And so they expect, right, these people who are my friends have spent 10 years with them partying at the weekend. There's such a great bond there and they disappear. They disappear. Why? You see, what I've realized is that sin does not suffer well because it's surface deep. Because it jumped the fence because it didn't enter into a wholesome relationship which looks like going through valleys and mountaintops. It doesn't know how to... It, sin is too selfish to, to deal with pain. It causes pain, but it can endure pain. Is anyone with me? John 10.10 10 says, The thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. So this is why they jump the fence just to get what they can get, selfish gain. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So the good news is God does want to give us a rich and satisfying life, but there's ways of doing it. There's ways of doing it. Goes on to say, John 10, 11 and 13 says, I am the good shepherd, this is Jesus speaking, the good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A, hard, a hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. Meaning when conflict comes, when it gets a little bit hard, when there's resistance comes, he goes. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he was only working for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. I remember somebody telling me in regards to hiring people in church, actually a pastor friend of mine, I was like, how did you get into this? Like, how did you get into becoming a pastor for 30 years? And he's like, to be honest, I'm, I'd done this for 10 years beforehand. I'm just getting paid for it now. They just paid me for what I'm already doing to keep me healthy. You see, the reverse of that, so he was willing to do it for free. Whereas it's dangerous when you come into something like that and you, do, you come in and what's attracted you is what's 
good to the eye. What makes you hunger? When the fleshly instincts are driving us, that's dangerous. It's funny, I'll give you an example. I was going to a shop one day. I, I think I might have been being, no, it wouldn't have been. I think it was a, a privately owned shop, and I was looking for something for the guards. I can't even remember what it was. I needed something, and it was urgent. And I was trying to scrape in at about 6, 6 p.m. Just before, and you, it's closed, it said in Google, 6 p.m., you do not close. I'm going to make it for 5.59. <laughs> and so I arrived up at this place, and I'm like, right, the door, the, the shutter's kind of a third down, so it's still open. I'm going in. Better get in quick, run to the till. Well, they're not chucked me out if I'm in. So I got in and came to, came to the door, and then somebody quickly came out. I'm like, no, 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 uh, we're, we're, the tills are closed, sorry. I'm like, 5.59? It says 6 on Google. What time is it? No, no, but the, the, it's shut down. It's, it's, we're shut. You know, the, the, we can't open the tills up again. I'm like, what? You can't open the tills to take my money? For a business which runs on money? And what I realized in that moment is this must not... This person must not be a family. It was a family-run business. This, must, this person must not be a member of the family. They must be a hired hand. Because if it was a family member, they would have opened the shutters, opened the shop, spread whatever they spread and make it smell nice, cleaned the worktops, brought me in, give me your card, spend as much as you want. If they were family... Because when they, they were family, they felt the weight. They had the ownership. They knew what it would mean if the, the business went downhill, that there would not be food on the table. There was a deeper level of commitment, whereas a hired hand, this person obviously was just there for the money. And if they didn't get the money there, they would get somewhere else. I'll give you another example. I was, playing, um, I was talking to a friend of mine who started managing a football team, and... Um, it's funny, when you go to a physio, this guy actually had worked with this manager that I know also, and they both told me the same story. And he was doing a bit of work uh, on my calf. And it's funny, these guys, you know, it's like hairdressers, isn't it, are really good at stories. And physios, sports therapists, around people all day, sometimes they repeat their stories a few times, but it's all good. So he told me this story about a guy I knew, and he had told me this too, that he had come in and committed himself to be a manager, and he wanted players who played for the jersey, who their hearts were in it. They would lay down at least a part of their life, give up their time, even go over and above. Come on, Carl, you know what I'm talking about. You want the win. You want the league. Sorry, Liverpool. Um, you want the Champions League. <laughs> Prayer is later after the first song. And so... And so he wanted to come in and succeed. So he, I need people who play for the jersey. Their hearts are in it. I don't want them just here for the money, but the problem is he paid them good money. And he pulled all these people who weren't local, who traveled in and gave them a good paycheck. And they were playing a team. I think it was Bangor. It was in the first division. They were playing a team. And they got absolutely hammered. But yet their team were getting paid maybe double the other team. And he said to the team at the end of the game, he says, listen, Here's the, pay, here's the pay slips in the middle of the table. If, you, if any of you think you earned that today, take it. <laughs> and obviously in his mind, he's trying to, trying to pull the heart out of them. Like, if you actually care about what you give and you value this team and you value this, 
what we're a part of. And you actually do believe in your mind that you played well, knowing that they didn't. Take your pay packet today. They all took the pay packet and left. <laughs> and went home. Cha-ching! But it taught them something. These guys don't have their heart in this club. They're only here for the money. They're only here for the money. They're only here for the experience, but it's surface. This is why we got to be careful. What are we living our life for? And I think a big question that we can all ask ourselves, what would you do if you weren't paid? What would you give yourself in life to if you couldn't get a dime? And you weren't paid a penny, what would you give yourself to? Because if you can find that place, and it involves helping people, that's probably an area of ministry for you. That's probably an area that God can breathe on like no other because that means you will stay and you will fight and you will remain in hardship. You will keep going. When things fall flat on their face, you're still standing. And you, this is what I found in my own personal life. Those are the areas that I've connected my heart to God's heart. Those are the areas that I sense that God has spoken to me on. Because listen, when God has spoken to you, and you sense God's call on your life, nothing else really matters. Because money, it comes and goes. Our work, it gets outdated. Our looks fade. So what are we basing our life on? What are we living for? What are we investing in? Is it just something that's there, temporal, that we wouldn't suffer for? Well, then we've got to ask ourselves, are we investing our time and our lives in something that's really of any worth? Or is it just all this temporal stuff until we die and then we're out? Peace. Peace. You see, there's a sifting in suffering. That's the, that's the danger of people who actually end up being famous or, or, or then they all, all of a sudden have, or have some sort of influence or even become a boss. Sometimes you end up with some people around you that aren't really for you. They're for what you can give them. And one of the best things you can have in your life is people who actually will stay with you when all you have is you. And that's all you have to offer. You see, in the suffering, they're sifting. How do you know that you've got true relationship with someone or, or a strong relationship, a more stable relationship? is when you go through hardship, those people are still with you. That's how you know, because what it's done is it's burnt out all the fake, the phony, the surface, selfish connections. It burns all that stuff out that wasn't real in the first place. It's actually a blessing. It shows you who's with me. Who can actually walk with me even in my dysfunction, in my mess? Who's going to be loyal to me even if they don't agree with me? Who's going to, if I get a bad reputation, will some people still be at my side and endure that hardship with me? See, I've found the people who are the most committed are the last ones standing. 
those who have sacrificed the most will remain. There's a sifting in the, in the suffering. See, our, our ability to suffer exponentially increases when there is a heartbeat. When there's a heartbeat, often that looks like a thing called family, what Jesus was speaking about in family. You see, see if, if you're bound by sin, it's not permanent. But when you become a son or a daughter, it's permanent. It's blood-bound. It's forever. It's not just a contract or a surface relationship or you give me this and I'll give you that. It's deeper. It runs deeper. I, I know there's people in here, there's, there's parents in here who would die for their children. Who, if it came to it and, and there was a choice, me or the kid, you're going. You give it all. You give all of your power up. There'd be no money that would stop you. you give all of your possessions up. It's the opposite of the hard hand. It's the opposite of the fake friend. It's the opposite of sinful, slavery-type connections. It's, it's the kind of power and the kind of strength that sustains and what breaks chains. It's powerful, but it has a heartbeat. I think Jesus was trying to tell them, listen, anyone that wants to avoid the heartbeat, wants to avoid the family, wants to avoid your boundaries, will not last the test of time. That's why Jesus came to die and to suffer so that you and me could have a heartbeat. But was it born again? You would come alive And we come alive when the heart begins to beat. I'm going to finish up here. There's the nod, Dylan. See, if you're only as good as your looks... The problem is they fade. If you're only as loved as your works, they become outdated. If you're only as valuable as the power you possess, it can all change overnight. Have you ever heard the saying, be careful how you treat the people on the way up because you might pass them on the way down. And so we've got to be careful how we live our life. We've got to be careful what kind of relationships we're trying to build. We've got to be careful what kind of life we're living for. Because if we're living just for temporal experience, things that look pretty on the surface, just for more power on this earth, listen, when suffering comes, it burns up. When suffering comes, you get perspective and it really doesn't matter what car you have or what house you've built. It really doesn't matter how many followers you have. Why? Because the surface, it, it won't suffer. You won't suffer for those things. Because deep down you know they're temporal. Deep down you know there's not really that much value in them. But we spend so much time in this life giving ourselves to those things. Giving ourselves to just 
more money, more jobs. But I'm telling you, the beauty about this, this series on Suffer Well is it exposes the lies of the enemy. And it shows us that we can so easily become a slave to sin and live our life with a purpose which is meaningless unless we surrender to God's way and to God's boundaries. You see, there's certain things that are off limits with God. Why? To give you a life that is full, to protect you. Sin brings on slavery, dysfunction, hurt wounds, generational wounds, traumas that cannot be healed with sin. Fake friends, fake life, waste of your time, waste of your energy. But when your eyes start to be opened, you start to realize the real fight is the fight with faith. Because it breaks chains. It brings you into places of freedom. It sets you on a cornerstone, a solid rock. You see, sin is heartless and it cannot suffer. But Jesus is our faithful friend who suffered and he died so that we could have a heartbeat and come to life, truly life that is found in Christ. You see, the bonds of family suffer the fiercest storms. I'm going to finish with this, this story. And I heard uh, preacher Christine Kane, some of you might have heard about her, powerful preacher. And she told this story about how from the ages of 13 to 15, she was sexually abused. Trauma. That was rewriting her mind and her brain in a way that it should never have been written. It was confusing her young, little, vulnerable, pure mind, pure soul, and, and bringing on dysfunction. Someone had jumped the fence. Some people had jumped the fence in her life and came not through, through the door, but their own way, sin. And it, 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 le- it was leading her into slavery in her, in her mentality. She actually said, and obviously it was men who are some of the, the, the main culprits in this situation. But today she is a preacher that preaches internationally, helping other people break free. And she says, I shouldn't be here. I shouldn't be married. I shouldn't have ever submitted under male leadership in a church. Because it was the males, it was the men who wounded me and broke my trust, broke my stability, stole my innocence. And so today she said that the fact that I serve willingly with peace in my heart under male leadership, that I'm married to a man, that I'm preaching the word of God about his goodness, after that happening to me is a miracle. And she says, some people might say to me that, oh, it's just your personality, Christine, you're just strong. It's a personality type. Your Enneagram number, it's, it's just, you've had the right people around you. You've went to enough counseling. She says, it's none of that. It wasn't bought with a personality. It wasn't bought with a few positive experiences to recover me. It was bought with blood. It was a blood type. She says, I became a daughter of the Most High God who renewed my mind who gave me a new foundation, who restored the sin and the slavery that I had been under. 
The curse of sin was broken because I believe God at his word. And I believe that Jesus suffered and died for my trauma and for the world's failures and for the, the suffering that I experienced. It was redeemed. And now I break other people free. And you know what she leads up now? She leads up the A21 campaign that brings women out of human trafficking all across the globe. God redeemed her suffering, redeemed her misfortune, you could call it her trauma, her brokenness. He set her free. And that's why we have a good shepherd. And that's the kind of church we are part of that believes in those stories. And listen, the same is for you. If you believe, God will restore you. But you have to believe. Not 50% with all of your heart. Don't let the enemy, the devil, Satan, lie to you. Who the Son says free is free indeed. True freedom is a blood type. It's not a personality type. It's not determined by other people. It's determined by Creator, Father, God. Amen. Hope you enjoyed the podcast today. I hope it encouraged you. There's a few things I'd love you to do. I'd love you to subscribe to our YouTube, iTunes, or Spotify account. This is so you can keep up with our most recent material and messages. If this ministry has impacted your life and you'd love to help us reach others, you can do that right now by going to ariachurch.org and giving now. Cannot wait to see you next week on the Ariat Church podcast.